All right, everybody, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast pseudo bonus episode. I'm going to try to keep recording solo episodes every Monday. Um, this one doesn't have video. I'm trying to figure out um, if I'm going to keep the cameras that I have or not. And so right now I don't have any cameras hooked up. I'm fresh off, uh, fresh off a pretty cool show I was on. I was on the Tacoma Comedy Club 10th anniversary show, which, I mean, I'll be honest with myself. If we're looking at, there were 10 comedians on the 10th anniversary show, uh, as you might expect, it went it went a little long. That It went until, I think it was close to two hours. It was like an hour and 54 minutes of show. Everybody's supposed to do 10 minutes, but a little bit of host stuff in between. I think I went like 30 seconds long. A couple of people went a little longer than that. So fun. But if I'm being honest with myself, I was probably <laughs> I was the last person added to the 10th anniversary show. Uh, me and the and past podcast guest, uh, Josh Firestein, I would say, are the least qualified people who were on that show. And I would say that we are in the same like comedy class. Uh, Josh has certainly done more. He has an album out called Needless to Say. And uh, we are, yeah, we were the least combined to be the least accomplished. Me, I'm putting myself in the same class as him, but there's no doubt that I'm less accomplished than Josh Firestein in comedy. It was really cool, and I think it's like, I've talked about this with other comedians recently because, by the way, this podcast should basically be called uh, I'm Going to Talk Until My Wife Gets Back from Daycare with My Daughter. Um, this It was kind of a cool environment because the so these, these were all the comics that were on the show. Um, Corey Michaelis hosted, Josh Firestein, me. Tyler Smith, who does a show in uh, all over Washington State and in Oregon, too, I believe, called The Dope Show, where comedians, uh, they perform sober and then they get super high, do another set. I've never done it because I don't smoke weed, but um, that's not just me telling my employer that. It's true. Then uh, uh, I don't, and I'm going to fuck up the exact order, but I know Harry Riley who's been on this podcast, Phil Kopsinski, who's a Spokane comic, who's great, Andrew Rivers, who has been supposed to be on this podcast and ghosted me slightly, um, Kelsey Cook, uh, oh shit, I feel like I'm missing somebody, Kelsey Cook, Brad Upton, Gabriel Rutledge, and I feel like I'm missing one person, and I'm going to feel bad about that, but... uh. So fun. What an honor to be on it. I started out my set. Uh, I think it was really like an interesting because I expected the crowd to be just hot as hell. And they like, I went out and kind of started bombing at the beginning of my set. I was kind of bombing and I pulled it out, but it was kind of bombing. It was like a little bit. And it's uh Tacoma comedy club is the place I started. It was such a, it was such an honor to be on the show, not to keep beating that drum, but it's literally the place I did my first open mic. It's the place I've worked the most. It's the place I care about the, by the way, my fucking neighbor's got a dog and it's bark sounds exactly like my dog's bark, but 
how fucking annoying to have these people have a dog just barking in their backyard. You could probably hear it on the podcast. Um, I, so I, when my dog barks in our yard, I'm like out the, I'm like making a beeline to the door. My dog does not bark without intervention. Um, my dog's also never barked at anything that I, we needed her to bark at. Like in theory, one day she could save our lives from an intruder, but that hasn't happened to this point. She just barks at fucking squirrels, other dogs, delivery people. I'm drinking an iced coffee, not a cocktail. I just want to say that because I mentioned that my daughter's coming home from daycare. So I kind of, I kind of start bombing Tacoma comedy club. Great honor. First place I ever did comedy and the entire like executive team of the company that owns Tacoma comedy club is sitting at the back booth. Uh, a couple of the owners I haven't seen since before, not only before COVID, but I haven't seen since my daughter was born. So like almost two years of not seeing them. And I just go up and fucking start eating it. And, uh, yeah, turned it around, turned it around. I think on probably material they aren't in love with. Like, I don't think it's the kind of material that they like. It was dirty. I noticed that the crowd liked dirty. So I, I, uh, stuck to a plan to just do like one of my favorite jokes to tell, but it's also one of the dirtiest jokes that I tell. It's relatively new, uh, for me within, it was actually, I was working on it. I've had parts of the joke for a while and then I was working on it pretty hard pre COVID. And then I worked on it throughout the pandemic a decent amount. And now it's like, um, now it's like really banging. Like it's like the, the, it's my favorite joke and I got the crowd back. But what was cool. One of the cool things about it is, uh, I feel like I'm a comic in, in the Seattle area. I'm never going to move. I'm always going to live in this area. Unless, I mean, it would, ha- it would take an extremely unforeseen and unlikely unlikely circumstance for me to move for comedy purposes. And by that, I mean, like, writing job out of town that pays, like, union writing wages, which are crazy, by the way. I think it's, like, they're, like, $5,000 a week or something like that. So, uh, at that point, I would probably move away for like a 13 week season, come home on the weekends to visit my family, try to, I guess, try to keep doing stand up. First off, let's just, let's just be fucking honest. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen that I am going to, uh, get a writing job on a TV show without living in a city where there's TV. We could start with that. The second, um, the second part of it is, I don't even know if you're going to have to do that that much in the future because uh everything is so virtual now like we've moved so far forward in the in the fuck this dog i hate this dog i hope you guys can hear the dog so that it doesn't just sound like i'm a a lunatic hearing a dog i'm like a son of sam or whatever so start bombing my experience in comedy it's kind of like my experience in college, which is I started going to college at 21. I had a full-time job. I was paying rent. Um, so I never had like the carefree college experience that some of my friends had. And in comedy, I started at 28 years old. Uh, I'm, I've been, I married my wife like three months after I started comedy. We had been together for almost five years. I've never had the like, 
wild, crazy, drunk nights at the club, hooking up with strangers on the road. None of that. I've never done any of that. So I don't have like, like my, probably my closest friends in comedy are like Josh, the aforementioned Josh Fireside and the aforementioned Gabriel Rutledge. Gabriel Rutledge is so far ahead of me. And then like Todd Royce, who's been on this podcast or, or uh, Kevin Eggleston, who I've done. Uh, these are the people with whom I am the closest in comedy. And it's not because we all came from the same class. It's just like, as it turns out, this is how I've happened, who the people I've happened to spend the most time with. Um, and so yesterday, when it's all of these comics, eight of whom I would call like nationally touring headliners, and then Josh is like on his way there, and I'll be uh, headlining a bunch this year, but not, I wouldn't call myself like a nationally touring headliner. The majority of the shows I do, I'm not headlining on. Um, to have all those people in the same room at the same time was pretty special. Uh, even though like, again, these aren't my, like the way, the way like doing comedy in like an off city works is for these people to make any money, they got to be out of town a lot. So we've, it's never like we had some salad days where we were all sitting in the back of the club, me and Gabe Rutledge or me and Brad Upton or any of the other people I mentioned. Um, the closest I've had with that is like Josh and I came up together and I've spent a lot of time on shows with these, some of these other people, but none of them. Yeah. That's just not the way it works. So it was like, when I get the chance to experience something like that, where it's like, these are a bunch of headliners in a room together. And then myself, I'm not putting my, I don't have the self-confidence to put myself in that category. It's unique. It's a unique and fun experience, which capped off, by the way, uh, a pretty dreary. So last Wednesday, the podcast I released, I was talking about this like mystery booking. So basically, I had to... Uh, Last week, last week I had to not have a guest on the podcast because on Tuesday I found out that I got submitted uh, to work with Whitney Cummings in Spokane. And if you're not a big comedy fan, um, first off, the the level of comedy dork you have to be to get to the point where you're listening to this podcast, uh, I hope that you know who Whitney Cummings is. But if you don't, she's enormous. She's an she's a a fucking megastar and she's not only that but she's like a, a person whose career and body of work I have so much admiration and respect for she's like a killer stand-up comedian she also uh had her own sitcom called Whitney that my wife and I watched she uh she had a t she was a, an executive producer or like the producer or whatever I don't understand the showrunner showrunner I think that's the word this is why I mean another reason why I'm gonna be who the fuck would hire me to work on their TV show but for two shows at the same time Roseanne and uh, and uh, two broke girls at the same I mean this this lady is a fucking monster and I've had so much respect for her career not only that but she was gonna do ten sold out shows in Spokane, which is my favorite club that I've ever worked, is Spokane Comedy Club. And 
So 10 sold out shows, not selling merch. I would have made probably $5,000 total between show pay and selling merch there. And But the problem was it was going to turn my fucking life upside down. I think I talked about this a little bit, but... And first off, I don't have enough merch. To, I would have sold out of merch. I have no doubt that I would have sold out of merch. Uh, I was not prepared to have an influx of demand on that scale. Also, which I will be uh, if an opportunity like that comes around. Um, please, by the way, go to thekcmcclain.com. I put my stand-up dates on the front page. So uh, the next, the, this week, if you're listening to this this week, I will be in Monroe uh, two times with past podcast guests Gabriel Gabriel Relich, Greg Beachler, and Kevin Eggleston at the Route Two Tap Room uh, Friday and Saturday, nine p.m. Each show is at nine p.m. So come check that out. That'll be fun. I'll be selling shirts, doing uh, forty-five plus, and uh, May first. It's a door. Gabe Rutledge and I have a door deal at the Chalet Theater in Enumclaw. So please, for the love of God, come check that out. We're looking to not, um, we're looking to make some money on that. Please, please. We're, we're putting money into advertising. If you, it's going to be a hell of a show, by the way. I'll probably do like 35 on that show. Gabe's going to probably do like a full hour. It's going to be awesome. So come out to that, please. Um, Anyway, so that was the thing. That was the thing I was talking about. I didn't get it. I was pretty bummed. I found out on Wednesday. I was supposed to do a show in Seattle on Wednesday. Um, I was going to do it for free to, uh, it was Kevin Eggleston's room that I, we, we spent a lot of time talking about. And so I was, I offered to perform for free and the thing I didn't take into account, the who, how could I have, is how upset I would be by this opportunity, missing this opportunity that I, I didn't know I was going to have. Um, the, guy that, the guy that got booked is a dude from Portland named Chris Johnson. I actually don't know him. <clears throat> I don't know him at all. Uh, I've, I've actually, his name has been on so many posters, so I don't, I, I'm, I have no doubt that he's a competent comic and there's so many great comics in Portland. I've actually never performed in Portland proper because they have, uh, so many quality comedians and specifically it's a city where they're trying to build like a diverse comedy scene. And I think that's good. I will say I got a little bit bitchy and grouchy because uh, I'm a data guy. Outside of being a comedian, I'm a data guy. And the data suggests that uh, black dudes are doing fine in comedy. And I'm not just saying that anecdotally. There's uh, Maria Bamford had a database for a while. And the mentioned on this podcast before, Seth Simons, I think, helped with it. And it showed that like 20% of all comedians booked in this country are black men. Um, 22% are of the headliners are black men. And nobody looks at that and goes, well, that's just because audiences are racist. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
I wonder if my neighbors can hear me. I've always, I've always wondered that. I just installed, this is why I can hear the dog so well. I just installed an air conditioner. Anyway, nobody thinks that. So those dudes are overrepresented, is the point. They are overrepresented compared to their population of the world. Um, even if you adjust for the fact that like 85% of book comedians are men on this thing, which by the way, I think this database, this database much more convincingly proves the comedy is sexist uh, more than it is racist. And I can say that because I've been on comedy shows where people like audience members are like, I just don't think that women are funny. Audience members. I've worked with amazing female headliners and I've heard that before. Um, so at one point I, I found out that the, that they were looking for a diverse, uh, to create a diverse show, uh, ethnic date. They didn't want a white dude is the point. And, uh, that's fine. Whatever. I mean, it's, it happens all the time. Uh, it happens. This is like a constant. I've been told so many times by bookers explicitly, I can't book any more white guys till, I mean, like I'm on shows that have openings. I'm asking about shows that have openings and they're like, I can't book you till, till fucking four months from now, because that's when I have the next spot open for a white guy. And I'm not going to go into some diatribe about how white guys have a tough, it is just like the expectation is that, that, uh, if I don't just fucking accept it, even though the data suggests that that's not even helping representation, um, if I don't just accept it, it's like, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fucking bigot. Uh, it's just frustrating. It's all more than anything. I mean, congrats to that dude, by the way. And she's going to, I think she's going to be at Portland Helium and hopefully gets to work with her there. And that's going to be like a lot of, if that dude's selling merch, uh, Chris Johnson, who, and I go check him out, by the way. I don't, I'm, I'm, like I said, I've just never been booked on a show with him. I'm sure he's great. I have no doubt about that. Portland has amazing comics. Um, but that's like, that's like a big win. And that's why I was so sad is because it was going to be, I mean, I literally, I said this to, uh, to the, um, the booker when he told me that, cause they, they like, she's so big that they are submitting 10 videos or something like that to her. And she's picking from those people. And when he told me I didn't get it, I didn't get picked. I was like, I literally, I, this is like true. This is like a, I said it as a joke and it was meant to be funny. And I think it was funny. <clears throat> but I was like, um, last night I allowed myself to imagine my wife and I visiting Whitney Cummings on her farm. Uh, my daughter's calling her Aunt Whitney. My dog is out there running around in the fields with her dogs. We're taking time to develop my animated series. And now nothing. Now just disappointment. Um, but, you know, move on. There's, you know, whatever. I don't know what the opportunity is. It's so difficult right now to like, I keep thinking about what the next step is. And it's like, how do you break through to the other side of, and that's all anything creative is, right? Is like, there's always going to be 
a ceiling that you're trying to break through. I understand that. But uh, that's like, you know, potentially career changing. Working with somebody like that. Working with somebody with that kind of track record and that kind of <clears throat> whatever, like Hollywood influence. So I was bummed out. I canceled the show on Wednesday. Uh, booked my buddy Mike Coletta, future podcast guest, on it. And then I uh, waited. I didn't perform until the anniversary show. Which was, by the way, it's so funny because... I saw the anniversary show on the calendar and I was like, they're going to book, there's going to be somebody that they book instead of me. Um, cause there's so many good comedians. And then when they asked me, I was like, so touched, so honored. And then this other thing pops up the same weekend and I'm so upset. It was such a consolation prize, which sucks because I mean, it was great. It was so fucking cool to be involved in that. Um, you know, the other thing, and I realized I just told my wife about this guy. I worked with Paul Verzi a couple weeks ago in, in Oklahoma City. And I loved him, by the way. He's great. Uh, Welp. Looks like my wife is almost home from daycare. So we're going to have to pause this. All right, it looks like we're back. <clears throat> now my dog and that dog are playing together in the backyard. It's going to be a real annoying uh, bunch of noise. So I'm working with Paul Verzi in Oklahoma City, and uh, the final day is Easter, and it's a hassle, by the way. I So I, I on one of the podcasts, I talked about how I missed my flight. Um, also, I had had a, a flight rescheduled. Sorry, I had a flight canceled and had to had to schedule a flight. Big hassle just to get here. It was trying to get to Seattle the earliest I possibly could. And the way that worked out is that Paul Verzi and I were going to the airport at the exact same time. So we took an Uber together. We shared an Uber. And we get in. He's slept for maybe like an hour. I didn't sleep at all. I just packed and... Made sure everything was where it needed to be. I didn't want to oversleep because I had already been fucked so many times that weekend. I didn't want to oversleep. And uh, we get into this Uber and it's Oklahoma City is one of those towns. If you've ever taken an Uber in a town that's not like a big city, as the pool of drivers shrinks, the standards for the cars shrink. Like, or they get they get worse. So like... The cars can be older and worse shape, whatever. I don't know what the standards are, but I know that in smaller towns, the cars are shittier that can pick you up uh, for Uber. And this car pull starts pulling up, and it's like a 2006 Crown Victoria. There's like panels that are different colors. This car's obviously been in an accident. You can hear the suspension squeaking from fucking a mile away. And this dude gets out of it. He pulls up to the hotel. He gets out. There's literally tape holding his taillight in. And he gets out. And the dude looks like, it's like Ford Crown Victoria, if, you, if you're not a car person at all, is a cop car. That's one of the types of cars that cops use is a Ford Crown Victoria. And this dude looks like a fucking cop. He gets out. He's got like high in his hair. It's high and tight. He's like a tall uh you know, 
I, he ended up, we found out he's like, I think former military. He opens his trunk and I go to Paul Verzi didn't even bring a suitcase. I put my suitcase that's holding all my merch and clothes and shit. Just one suitcase in the trunk. And by the way, now my wife is yelling downstairs. I got a dog. I got my wife yelling. It's a whole, there's a whole stereo of sound going on here that is very distracting. But Paul Verzi uh, doesn't bring a bag. I bring a bag. The guy can't fit the bag in his trunk. He can't fit one goddamn suitcase in his trunk because he's got like three coolers, presumably full of beverages of some kind. Three coolers and a bunch of empty case packs of booze, of vodka and whiskey and rum and shit. And he's got to move all that stuff to fit. We we get in. He's like, you guys can take, feel free to, to pull something out of this uh, cooler that's in the middle. There's drinks in there for you if you want them, water or whatnot. And we're like, okay, cool. That's fine. Uh, we pull one quarter of a mile and he... We stop at a stoplight, and the the people across the across the stoplight have their brights like their bright. I don't even know if they had their brights on. They just had bright headlights. And this dude who hasn't he hasn't even like we we are new customers. We are brand new to his car. He doesn't go like turn around and go. Uh, you know, I'm sorry if this is crude, whatever. He just goes these stupid motherfuckers and their and their bright ass headlights. These pieces of shit. Fuck these motherfuckers. And we're like, whoa. Like we went from being basically asleep each of us basically asleep to like oh fuck we have 30 minutes with a fucking animal (laughs) and so as we uh by the way he's driving like too fast he keeps turning around he's turned around four times turned on the dome light tells us you guys can have water out of this thing we're like we don't want water out of your fucking grimy mildewy cooler that you've put in the middle of like in the center of these two we're fine dude we're fine and finally like it's pretty obvious that this dude is not from Oklahoma City and Paul goes hey man where are you from and the answer is so obviously New York and it was I think he's from Queens uh somewhere I don't really know New York geography very well but he's from Queens somewhere he's like a I mean I to me, just every white New Yorker sounds Italian, so I just assume he's Italian. Maybe he's Irish. I don't know. But uh, but uh, so he's he's talking to us, and he's like telling us, he's like, yeah, I, I have this place in Oklahoma City. I used to do uh, contract like deliveries for the military in the Middle East, and uh, I have a place in New York. I have a place in Queens, and my ex-wife and my daughter live there rent-free. And they're about to get a real fucking awakening when I sell that one day because they don't pay rent, right? Blah, 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 blah. He's like going on about his wife and his, and uh, then he goes, I've made, uh, he's like, I've been doing this. It's 5 a.m. By the way, he picks us up at 5 a.m. And he goes, I've been doing this since 4 p.m. yesterday. And uh, we're like, first off, I'm like, I don't even think that's legal. I don't think you can be an Uber or Lyft driver for 13 straight hours. But then he goes, he goes, uh, I've made about $330 already today. And I remember I, the thought I had was like, yeah, that just seems like the amount. That's like the amount. Like that's, I, that doesn't, that's not a shockingly high. No, he told it to us. Like it was a shockingly high number. And I'm like, I mean, dude, you're like making, that's not 30 bucks an hour. You're not making 30 bucks an hour even. And you're like in overtime hours. You should in a, in a, in a wage, an hourly wage job, you'd be in overtime right now. Anyway. And he goes, he goes, yeah, when this is over, 
I'm going to drive straight. And I'm thinking he's going to say, I'm going to drive straight home and go to sleep. He goes, I'm going to drive straight to McDonald's and get an Egg McMuffin. We're like, okay, like that's, I mean, cool, I guess. Like, And then he goes, uh, he finds out where we're from, New York. And I say Seattle because nobody, nobody outside of Washington State knows Tacoma. And he goes, uh, he goes, Seattle. And then he asks me about the Chaz slash chop. And that got us going on a roller coaster because he said a thing that I think it's one of the most disingenuous things people say is he goes, I don't like to talk about politics, but, and what that actually means is I cannot talk enough about politics. I love talking about politics. And he's like a guy, the problem with him is like 20% of what he says he was saying, I agreed with pretty strongly, but the other 80% makes him such a bad representative for my opinion that it's like, I can't even give him the satisfaction of knowing I agree on the 20% and he's going off and yelling and screaming about the, and I'm egging him on by the way, because I'm, I like, uh, it's fun. It's a fun story where we, I think Paul actually, I, um, first off, I'm like my memory. I forgot to tell my wife, my memory of it was so like, it felt like such a dream because I was so tired and this guy was just so bizarre. At one point he's like, He's like, I like driving you guys because you're quiet, which is funny because he's screaming. He's screaming. He's turning around and looking at us. He told us, by the way, that he has like, he's like, I have eight rental properties in Oklahoma City. And at at one point I was like, "Uh, I cannot imagine you being my landlord. And he's like, I know. I try to, I try to represent, I try to rent to uh, military families only because of blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, I like driving you guys because you're quiet. Uh, I hate driving like drunk women because. Uh, first off, they're always on their phone. Everyone's always on their fucking phone all the time. They're on the phone. They're sitting in my passenger seat. They're on their phone. And then they try to look at me. They're, they're all over me. And I'm like, fuck you. You won't give me any pussy anyway. You're, you're just on your phone. Get back to your phone. That's what you fucking love anyway. Which is just, it's the thing about this that's so insane. By the way, I still tipped him because I'm a polite Northwesterner. But the thing that's so insane to me about that is just to imagine me reaching that level of comfortability with a stranger in a half hour is just impossible. We talked about it. I'm missing details, by the way. We talked about it forever. I stood, we, uh, Paul and I walked, like walked through the whole security line together. We, uh, I mean, we just could not stop talking about this dude. Hopefully when he does a bit about it, he tells the story a little bit better, but, uh, (laughs) Anyways, uh, that's, I don't know. I don't know if this is any good. Uh, there's some sports shit that's gone on that I don't really want to talk about. Alden, Alden Smith, who I feel like is uh, keeps getting chances, and I hope he does keep getting chances because he seems like a troubled person, and hopefully at some point he can redeem himself and turn it around. He signs with the Seahawks, and then two days later gets into an altercation that leads to an, uh, a warrant for his arrest for battery. And that's just crazy. What a, what a downward spiral for one of the best um, athletes ever. Please, I don't know. This is a fucking shitty way to end this podcast. Please come see me do stand-up comedy May 1st at Chalet Theater, April 23rd and 24th 
at the Route 2 tap room. I got <laughs> my, um, I'm getting my tonsils taken out May 11th. So there's going to be like a three-week gap in dates, but go to thekcmcclain.com and my calendar will be on the front page. thekcmcclain.com slash calendar also will get you there. Please uh, come see me do stand-up. And if you're in uh, Spokane, I'll be out there a bunch, by the way, this summer. So thank you. For, and Coeur d'Alene, June 4th and 5th, another door deal. So that's very important to me. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and uh, I will talk to you hopefully later this week.